Speaking of God's Word, we're going to be looking today at a lesson that I've entitled, Two Sets of Believers. And in this particular lesson, we're going to be seeing people who believe in Jesus Christ, but they're different. And what we want to do, as Andrew has already read for us, we're going to be looking at two different passages. And I encourage you, if you want to, to mark these passages in your Bible and maybe write down beside one passage the cross-reference to the other passage because these are two passages that even though they're separated by many pages, go hand in hand. The very first passage is John chapter 12, beginning at verse 42, where it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. The companion passage we want to put beside it is Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Now before we actually start making some points about these two uh, scriptures, I want to point out some things to make sure uh, we're st- both starting at the same place here. First of all, I want you to notice that the first uh, scripture mentions chief rulers. The second scripture mentions the priest. Now, there's not a whole lot of difference between these two groups of people. In fact, we're basically talking about the same group of people. The priests that were living during this time were the chief rulers. They were the rulers of the people. Keep in mind that um, the Israelite nation was a theocracy, meaning that God ruled and therefore the priests had positioned themselves to be the chief rulers. In fact, it was the Sanhedrin who was the governing body of the Jews at this time, and the Sanhedrin was composed mainly of Pharisees. There were a few Sadducees in there. And the chief priest or the high priest were the one that was in charge of the Sanhedrin. So we need to make sure that we're understanding that we're talking about the same group of people here. But also I want you to notice this, that one passage says the word many, and the other passage says a great company. So when we start comparing these two passages together, we need to understand that we're not talking about an isolated case here. Uh, We're not talking about something that uh, just happened one time. But this is something that was typical. This involved a lot of people. Notice the first verse says many. The second scripture says a great company. And I think it's important to point that out, uh, that this was the case there in Jerusalem at this particular time. This was a large number of people. And I think we can also make the point that this is something that we would consider typical of many people today. But also I want you to notice as you look at the text that there's an obvious difference here. Even though there's some similarity, We're basically talking about the same group of people. We're talking about the same large group of people, but there's something different going on here. Both groups of people were believers, but in one case, their belief caused them to do something different than the other group. I'm always amazed by God's Word, how that you can be reading God's Word and, and you come across a passage that is separated by many pages, and when you first read it, you think, well, this really doesn't have anything to do with the other. But yet, if you tie the two together, 
You see the unity of God's Word, and we see how when we combine these two passages, some lessons can be learned. Well, what are some lessons we can learn from these two passages? Well, the first thing I want us to understand and appreciate is this. The difference between faith only and obedient faith is the difference between being saved and being lost. Now, I want you to notice what it says in the text. It says, many believed on him. Then it says in Acts 7 and verse 6, they were obedient to the faith. There are many in the denominational world today who believe in a doctrine that is called faith only. They believe that as long as a person believes, that's all that's necessary. That, that, that nothing is required in salvation other than just simply faith. Um, faith only is the thing that is espoused in so many denominations today. Now Jesus very clearly said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and, that conjunction and ties it together, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. And people say, well, he didn't say baptized not. Well, there's no need to say baptized not because if you don't have the first part of the prior thing before the conjunction, then there's no need for the rest of the conjunction to follow. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But they object to baptism because of the fact they say, well, that's a work. And a man cannot be justified by his works. That it's only by the grace of God. It's only by faith. It's all about belief. But all a person simply has to do is go to James chapter 2. And we discover, beginning at verse 14 and going down through verse 26, that there James points out very clearly that we are required to do some works. Now, these are not works of merit. There's no way in the world we can earn our salvation. No matter how hard we work at it, we can never be justified in God's sight by our works of merit. But there are works of obedience. In fact, James points out that a man is not that a man is justified by his works. In fact, when you get to verse 24, there's the only place in the entire Bible where you see the words faith only. And it says this, Don't you see how that a man is justified by his works and not by faith only? But here in this passage, if we were going to point out to someone uh, the difference, we obviously see a difference here in these two groups. Here's a group that had faith. Here's a group that also had faith, but they were obedient to the faith. Now, let me ask you this question this morning. Which of these two groups would you rather be in? Would you want to be in this group that just believed? Or would you want to be in a group that was obedient to the faith? Next time you're having a discussion with someone about faith only, point out these two passages to them and ask them the same question. Which group would you rather be in? Those who just simply obeyed? Those who just simply believed? Or those who, because of their faith, was obedient to the faith. Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 tells us that a man is justified by being obedient to the faith. And we see a good example of this in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. After Paul had a discussion there in the first part of Romans chapter 6, how that when a man responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ and is baptized... He dies to the old man of sin. He is buried in the watery grave of baptism. And he rises to walk in newness of life. 
In the same way that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and resurrected the third day, when a person responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ, he is emulating that death, burial, and resurrection. But there in Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 17, notice what he says. He says, you were, past tense, you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed. Check it. You have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, and you have now become the servants of righteousness. We have a before and we have an after picture. What is it the in-between that makes the change? It is the obedience from the heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Well, what was the form, the pattern, the doctrine that was delivered to them? That Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again. They obeyed from the heart when they too died and were buried and rose again. He says, before you did that, you were the servants of sin. But now that you have obeyed from the heart, you're now the servants of righteousness. But here is a passage that very clearly points that out. These particular people believed in the first set of priests, but the people in the second group of priests believed to the point that they were obedient to the faith. The faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. But let me point something else out to you. One does not really confess Christ unless he is willing to take a stand for Christ and his teaching. Notice what happens here in the text once again. Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Folks, we understand and appreciate the fact that confession is a necessary part of salvation. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 32, that if you will confess me before men on this earth, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me here on this earth, then I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10 reminds us that with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession is a very important part of our salvation. But folks, confession is so much more than just simply saying the words, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Confession involves not only saying that you believe, but then acting like you believe. That you not only believe that Jesus Christ was a man who existed, that you not only believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but you also are willing to confess that you believe in His teachings and the things that He taught, and you're willing to observe those. Uh, There's an old saying that preachers used to have many years ago where they said, you can't have the man without the plan. And what they mean by that, you can't accept Jesus Christ and then not willing to accept the plan that he has laid out as far as our obedience to him in becoming a Christian. Over in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Jesus asks the question. He says, why call me Lord, Lord? And you're not willing to do the things that I say. Over in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. In other words, we can't just simply pay lip service to Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we're willing to show that that confession means something to us. 
But here's the problem we have in this text. In this first text here, they believed in Jesus Christ. I don't doubt that because the text says many believed on him. They weren't enemies of Jesus Christ. They were, they were someone who, 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 who really thought he was the Son of God. That's the implication here. Uh, if, if everybody else was willing to believe that he was the Son of God, uh, they, they probably would have gone along with this and, and maybe even been good Christians. But because of the fact that they thought they might be ridiculed, because of the fact that they thought that they uh, maybe would think that somebody thought they were odd. In other words, because of what their peer pressure came from the other people who were the chief rulers, they bowed to peer pressure and said, I'm not willing to confess with my life that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So we need to understand and appreciate the fact the text says, because of the Pharisees, They did not confess Him. They wanted to be disciples of Jesus Christ, but they wanted to be secret disciples. Folks, I can tell you right now, there is no such thing in the kingdom of God as the secret service. If you're going to serve Jesus Christ, you need to serve Him openly. You can't hide in a closet. You can't act differently around somebody else. Instead, if you're going to confess Him, you're going to confess him regardless of what peer pressure may put upon you. But notice what else we see in the text. It's simply this. Their denomination was more important to them than was their Christ. Notice what the text says in John 12. Notice it mentions synagogue. The synagogue was the mainline church service, if you will, of the mainline denomination of the Pharisees. Pharisees basically uh, were the ruling sect of the Jews. People don't realize this sometimes. They think of Jews as just being having their own religion. But no, the Jews were divided up into denominations like we see in the world today. And the two main denominations in town were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Both claimed to be followers of God. Both claimed to be Israelites both claimed to be Jews, though they were very vastly different in the things that they believed. The Sadducees were the rich group in town. They were the pre- preeminent church. They were the ones that had all the money and had all, and had all the, the glory as far as worldly things were concerned. And since they were so materialistic, they believed only in the materialism. In other words, they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in the resurrection. Uh, they thought that was too sap- supernatural for them. Now, the Pharisees, they believed in miracles. They believed in the resurrection. But in their effort to be conservative, in their effort to try to make sure that they never violated God's law in any way, they added additional laws that God had never told them they could. And therefore, they formed their own denomination by having rules that God never laid out in His Word. But keep in mind that this particular place that they were being... um, they were worshiping or being scared of being put out of was because of the Pharisees. The Pharisees had already made a statement in John chapter 9 and verse 22 that if anybody confessed that Jesus was the Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue. So the reason why these men 
would not confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God, even though they believed on him, was because they were scared they would be put out of their church. They were scared that if somebody found out that they believed in Jesus Christ, then they'd be kicked out of their church. Many years ago, in fact, it's probably been maybe 40 years now, maybe 45, I can't remember exactly. But my father was studying with a man by the name of A.I. Morris. That was his name, A.I., capital A, capital I. And this man was a Bible class teacher in one of the leading denominations in town. And through the process of studying God's Word, he became a New Testament Christian. And A.I. told my father, he said, I know I need to be attending church services here now that I'm a Christian, but I'm going to go back to my denomination since I have the ability to be a teacher there and I'm going to teach those people what the truth is. My dad told him, well, you you can try that, but I'll tell you right now, you won't be there very long. And sure enough, after just a couple of weeks, A.I. Morris was back in worship services because what happened? They said, you can't come in here and tell us this kind of thing. You can't come here and teach us what this says. They kicked him out of his church. Here was a man who was still willing to take a stand. Why? Not only did he believe in Jesus Christ, he was willing to confess him, not with just words, but by his life and his actions. But here is a group of men that were silent disciples because they were scared to death that somebody was going to kick them out of their church. Even people today sometimes, even though they've been taught the truth, even though they know that because of the fact that that what God's Word says, that what they're practicing in their denomination is wrong, but yet because of family and friends, or maybe because of power and prestige, they remain at that particular congregation. They stay there because of the fact that they don't want to give up what they have. Even sometimes among churches of Christ, there are churches that sometimes, because of progressivism, they go out on a far left limb and start incorporating denominational things into the church to the point that it no longer can identify itself as a church of Christ, but yet it may keep the name. And yet there are members sometimes who will stay with that. Why? Because of the fact that friends, or maybe family, or maybe because they have a place of power or prestige. These particular men did not want to express to the other men around them that they believed that Jesus Christ was a son of God because they were scared that they would be put out of the synagogue. They would be kicked out of their church. But notice what else happens here. These particular men in the first section of the scripture here in John 12, they knew a choice had to be made but they made the wrong choice. Notice what the text says. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They knew a choice had to be made. They knew that there was something that had to be weighed in the balance. A decision had to be made whether or not they were going to be pleasing to God or whether or not they were going to be pleasing to men. They needed to decide if they wanted to be on God's side or they wanted to be on man's side. And after they weighed the two things in the balance, they started thinking about, well, you know, 
I don't want to face the ridicule. I don't want to face the idea that there may be some people who dislike me now that I've made a change religiously. Instead, I enjoy more that slap on the back. I enjoy the fact that I can enjoy uh, the, the preeminence in this particular big church. I can enjoy the praise of men more. And so when the final decision came down, where the rubber meet, met the road, when a decision had to be made, they picked men over God. You know, there's a passage where Jesus reminds us what the Old Testament says in Mark 12 and verse 30. When he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy strength, and with all of thy mind. What do you love most? Well, these men, when they started thinking about it, when they started weighing the two things together, they decided that they loved their denomination more. They loved the praise of men more. They loved the lack of ridicule more. They loved protecting themselves rather than actually being a follower of God. They made a choice, but they made a wrong choice. In just a moment, we're going to sing this particular song, This World is Not My Home. And it emphasizes the fact that the things of this world is not as important. Here were two sets of believers. A choice had to be made. The question to you this morning is simply this. Which group are you in? Are you someone who is a silent disciple? Are you someone who is willing to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but you've never acted upon that particular belief? Or are you someone this morning who has been obedient to the faith? A decision may need to be made this morning. Whether you're going to hang on to some religious belief because of who your ancestors were, or because of who your parents were, or because of who your friends are, or you're going to be obedient to the faith. Because that's what God wants you to do. Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. He says, No man can serve two masters. For he will love the one and despise the other. Or he will hold on to one and, and hate the other. This morning a decision has to be made. And we hope that you'll make the right decision. As together we stand and sing.